0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Revive Yourself podcast, here we go. So guys and girls welcome back to the show as always this episode is sponsored by www.reviveyourself.co my website where you can find so many articles about health and healing as well as other links to different podcast episodes the chronic fatigue solution the book I wrote a few years back which gives you the three big secrets to health and my newly released online course the total health revival course. Which, if I don't say so myself, is unlike anything else on the market. Whereas other courses in health just concentrate on one aspect of healing. This course gives you everything you need to know to create a healthy body and mind. Because it looks at you holistically. We don't just go into nutrition. We go into the mental, the emotional, the biological, the spiritual and the environmental as well. We give you eight easy-to-follow step-by-step modules that cover everything you need to know to overcome a chronic health issue or advanced disease or reach your optimal health. And we also go into self-sabotage and breaking down any other mental emotional barriers that are holding you back. It really is something that I'm so proud of bringing out because I know it's going to change people's lives for the better. And not only is it going to get people healthy, it's going to keep them healthy because everything we're teaching you in this course are things that they will stand the test of time and you can use for yourself, your friends, your family for years and years to come. So you can find that at www.reviveyourself.co and clicking on the course option. And also you have the option of working with me one-to-one um, with our coaching where not only are we going to get you healthy, but we're going to start building out your dream life and getting you to reach the full potential that you are here to create. Cause remember we're not just here to survive, we're here to thrive. But yeah. it's great to have you on the show, mate. Um you come Good. Um, from people that I yeah, really respect um in the in the health world. Um, you know, first heard you on Paul Check's podcast and then having spoken to friend Mike um Mike about you heard you on his really good. And you know, having had lots of clients who um, go through the want to go through the natural birthing process. Yeah, um, lots of clients who couldn't get pregnant and people have gone through that. Lots of clients who, you know, who are, who are in the natural world who are having their first baby and get the fear of God put into them by the, the mainstream. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's great to have someone like you on who can cut through all all, all these. Um, yeah all the minutiae, all the myths, all the nonsense.
1: And uh, right. welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, man. It's really great to be here. Uh, you mentioned a couple of my favorite people, Paul Cech. Uh, as as you're aware, I was on call, didn't even really know the Cech thing. And I happened to be in the right place at the right time and got to know them really well. I consider Paul a very and, – and Angie and Penny, very near and dear friends. I visit them as frequently as I can. And then you brought up Mike Salemi, who – of all of the men I've met in my life, Mike might be the most well-rounded uh, heart-centered man, but simultaneously one of the strongest, toughest guys I've ever met. He's kind of in that category of like Kyle Kingsbury for me, where it's like, I don't know how you managed to find your way into my life, but I'm so grateful for it. And Ryan, you know, knowing the little bit I know about you, I I could see us becoming good bros going forward too. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's, it's one of those things, right? It's, uh... When you get put into the world of those they're those people um you know me and mike come across each other just from years of well, i've been in the natural health world it's a big world but it's a small world as well and the quality always seems to rise to the top and people get yeah. to know each other and you know there's people that you know I trust um, implicitly with stuff and people have done the work and that just want the truth and um yeah it's, it's generally when you connect with them it's it's easy I, I pop around to see mike i think it was in our, in september and um, walked in the door, and before we'd known it, and like an hour and a half had passed, and we hadn't even we hadn't even gone. <laughs> mate, mate, so we should have left this for the podcast. Oh my god, yeah, we should have. But yeah, it might be one of the yeah. best. Um, so, Nathan, just for people out there, I know you probably told us a million times, but just because this is the first time on the sh- on, on on the show, I just wanted um, you to just give, even if you just want to do like a, a brief introduction of um, who you are, what you do, um, and why you got into doing what you do.
1: Yeah, you know, uh I think uh most people who go into medicine, they do it because they're good at tests, they want to help people. I think I I went into medicine because I was afraid I wasn't going to be valuable to society and I thought maybe having that MD, medical doctor credential would make my life a lot easier. Like I don't have to worry about finances. I don't have to worry about having a job Um, I'm going to be revered. People are going to respect me, whatever. You know, it's all those insecurities that boil up. And then when you actually go through that process, you might find yourself happy. Most doctors are not happy because they're not well-respected because they haven't done, you know, a lot of the homework that is required to really truly care for a person. And they know that they have limitations, but they have never been incentivized to round themselves out a little bit. So when I found myself in that position as a as a little a little tiny side story i my last job within the conventional medical model i was fired from because i took my mask down while caring for a, a person who's dying at the end of life i've got two board certifications meaning i've done even more training than most doctors i'm an OBGYN and i'm a board certified hospice and palliative care doctor and the two actually go hand in hand but i won't get into that in this in this conversation but i was caring for a man who's at the end of his life He wanted me to take my mask off. He hadn't had any family, hadn't any physical touch, and he's going to die. This is undignified. He's got 95 years before him. And I said, okay, I'll take my mask off. I don't care. Like, we're not even going to get into the COVID thing because I'm sure most of your audience feels that this would be a pretty unjust thing to do for somebody who who spent their entire life training to get there, invested their entire – I mean, I'm still – I'm still indebted by about 500000 US dollars for my medical education to, to sacrifice that much and then to be fired for something that is so insanely uh, uh, ridiculous. It was like, okay, that was the nudge I really needed. Paul Check actually gave me the initial nudge, like you should do your own thing. I got fired and I never looked back. It was like, I got to build my own thing. It's time. And that took a lot of it was, it was very uh, scary. It was very scary because I didn't have any system that was looking after me, but I knew what I knew. I knew what worked. And I was curious to figure out what else I could bring into my practice to make the lives of women, their partners, their babies, their fertility journey to make it as smooth as possible. So that's what I get to do now. And I, I fucking love it. (laughs) I have a great life right now.
0: Um, It was quite, so when you, so when you met Paul, you were still in the system?
1: Yeah. So I met him. Uh, I got a, fa- a random phone call from Angie, who her last name was Czech, but I didn't have any connection to the family yet. She had called and said, I was going to have a home birth, but I used to be in this practice. And it was the practice I was on call for. The doctor was traveling around on vacation in the Mediterranean. And she said, she wants me to go to the hospital. I don't have a doctor. You're the best I've got. Can you meet me there? And I, so even there, I don't know if my medical malpractice insurance would cover this. I have no idea. But here's a person who was going, she's at like 37, 38 weeks, is about to have a baby at home and now is being forced to pivot 180 degrees to have a hospital experience, which she was determined not to have because the first birth, her first baby, it did not go as well as she was hoping. So um So I got this call, I met him and Paul's in there and their midwife is in there. I just got to chatting with him. I was sitting on a Swiss ball and we were making jokes and I was watching her blood pressures and her blood pressures were slowly coming down. And so I was like, okay, here's the scenario. We ended up taking action. And after three days of labor, she ended up ultimately having a C-section despite everything we tried to do. That baby was determined to come out through the abdomen. So um, (laughs) interestingly, they were... I, I, this, they were, they were just blowing smoke. You know, they were like, it was the best surgery we've ever experienced. There was no pain medications needed afterwards. The incision was more cleanly, um, sutured than any incision Paul had seen. he was saying those types of things. And he said, do you want to come to my office in order to, I just want to like appreciate you a little bit. And he blew me some bags of tobacco. We painted, we stacked big rocks. He gave me some, took me on a medicine journey and, uh, and he sang to me, he just was loving on me for a whole day. And I, I, I gained an appreciation for just how impactful that type of care can be for a person who's afraid to be in the hospital. And and, and I don't know if she was afraid necessarily, but it certainly wasn't her preference. So while we were stacking rocks in his, in his rock garden, he said, you know, you do things pretty differently. Let me help you, you know, branch out and build your own thing. And I was like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. I still had all of this med school debt. And when you're a doctor, you're trained to do one thing. You're trained to work in a hospital system. Like that's what you're trained to do. So for me to pull out of that was very, it was a little scary. Um, But from like the essentialist point of view, I was spending way too much time documenting. I was spending way too much time um, practicing what we call defensive medicine, meaning doing things that aren't right, but just trying to save my ass um, in case something bad were to happen. It was very paternalistic. There wasn't enough time for me to really get to know people. So in the end, it was a really, really healthy transition where I could be happy as a doctor again. But had I continued on that path, I may have been suicidal. I mean, it was it's such a shitty way to be, you mm-hmm. know, working in a hospital system for somebody like me who's ultra curious and very left, very, very right brain, you know, very creative and very thoughtful. And I really like getting to know people. So he he prompted me. And then it wasn't until, you know, a couple years later, I started putting the pieces together and then bam, I got fired and I was like, it's time to go like it's now or never. And I just took the plunge and, and here we are. <laughs> oh, that was the universe giving you the sign you needed. Um, yeah. It's like a swift time. kick in the ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
0: I've tried to do it nicely. Now we need to, to get you moving, but yeah. I, it's, um, it's, I always say this to people it, when it comes to, it's just like hospitals just, it's crazy to me how they're based on health right so i always say to people the one place i would but burns cuts broken bones fantastic right but i always say where would where wouldn't i go if i wanted to heal from a chronic issue or something like that and it would be a hospital you know i'd want to be somewhere where the air was fresh the sun was shining the food was fresh um or even i even say strip it back and go when you walk into a spa You're about to get a massage. The essential oils, you know, the music's nice. It's uh, there's lots of plants. You walk into a hospital, and it's just clinical, and it and it literally screams the opposite of health. It's somewhere you don't want to be. And so, for me, it's um, it's no surprise someone like yourself didn't really feel, you know, at home in that setting because. I mean, even just from based on what you've got in the background here, you know, your you red light, you can see diffuser in the background. It's not, it's not, it's like that's more conducive to health. So, I yeah. mean, it's so you branch out. probably one of the best things you're doing. You'll you're touch many more. I mean, it's just from Paul and other people in our industry who have got like an audience. You know, I'm sure you're in high demand. I've seen you on some pretty sure. high profile um, podcasts, and hopefully you can teach more people to do what you do. Because for people out there, the difference between, would you say you're a holistic gynecologist? Would you say that? Yeah. 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 So for, yeah. So I got com- the shirt
1: on right here. Holism.
0: Holism, oh, really? right. Got you. So for you, um, c- comparing, compared to a, a normal uh, gynecologist and a holistic gynecologist, what would be the difference for people out there? What, what, what would your approach be compared to the conventional approach?
1: Well, I think a lot of people – it's a great question, Ryan, um, and I'm glad you're asking because not enough people ask that. They all want to talk about the birth, 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 but we also got to get pregnant first. And I think of all of the uh, facets of allopathic or Western medicine, the, of all of the things that we're not doing well – and you mentioned a lot of reasons why you would want to go to an emergency room. Like you hit, got hit by a car, you cut off your finger with a table saw – There's a lot of good reasons to have surgeons and intensivists and whatnot. Having said that, let's look at fertility alone. So within gynecology, a big part of that is helping people manage menstrual periods, menstrual cramping, all of the women's health stuff outside of pregnancy and childbirth and postpartum is the realm of gynecology. The typical lifespan of a young woman in the United States is that she reaches an age where she's starting to get curious about having sex. She's got, um, you know, her menstrual periods are irregular. She goes to her doctor's office for the maybe first time about women's health issues. And they offer her right away contraception because number one, you don't want to get pregnant, do you? Which is fair. Like a lot of people don't want to be pregnant when they're 15. But birth control and other, you know, the pill and other forms of contraception are being prescribed for far greater reasons than just not getting pregnant. Yeah. They're being provided for heavy periods, painful periods, you name it. Acne. So the, this life cycle is, okay, you've been started on birth control. Now you've been on birth control for, let's say, 10 years. You're 26. You come off of birth control. You've met the love of your life or whatever, and now you want to have a baby. The problem with this approach is that nobody ever asked, why is this person's, why are their periods abnormal? It's typical that they're abnormal when you're 15 or 16, but because you've had that whole decade of having your ovaries silenced, we don't know how your endocrine system works. And to boot, you want to been on a pill, which messes up your gut. It messes up your immune system, your endocrine system and your nervous system. So now you've come off of the pill and nobody ever looked upstream, etc. Yeah. Yeah. So this person has been on birth control now for all these years. Now they want to get pregnant. They try, they try, they try. Nobody ever taught them about what's required for pregnancy to happen. All you know is that if sperm is shot up in there and there's an egg ready, you can get pregnant. That's the only thing we've ever been taught. So we've done a disservice to this woman by, by messing up her body with birth control. We have never looked upstream to figure out how is the thyroid working? How is the pituitary, the hypothalamus, the adrenals? How's all of that working? Here's the whole the whole organism. And um, we haven't taught her anything about how pregnancy actually happens. So my approach to fertility, I actually just launched a program called the PRP Fertility Program, which is a truly holistic approach. We get into all of the physical. We get the adrenals back in order. We do a, f- a lot of functional lab testing. We want to see how is the whole body working because fertility, having a baby, is the, p- the byproduct of all of these systems working well. Yeah. We go through all the lifestyle stuff. We There's lots of books. They get access to my new Czech Institute natural fertility program, and we work together for 60 days. I get them seeing a spiritual, uh, like a psychic medium, a breath worker. Um, Sarah Gustafson, who's also a high level check practitioner. She sees them for metaphysical counseling. There's all these other practitioners. The reason I highlight this is that as an OBGYN with extensive experience in fertility, I don't have all of the tools to help people get pregnant when they end up hitting these fertility challenges. So a truly holistic approach, not only takes into account functional labs and imaging and maybe some minor procedures or surgeries, it takes into account the mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects that are related and relevant to this incredibly sacred process of getting pregnant and ultimately having a baby. 100%. I mean, I, I, I've, like
0: yourself, I have been. I was actually on your website looking at that. I went to have a chat with you about that uh, program. Yeah. Um, I've had it myself. Clients have come to me and you know, I've done three rounds of IVF and spent 21, 28,000 pounds of dollars. And I'm like, look. Yeah. You know, you're know, you trying to create life when the, everything's out of balance. We need to get you back into balance. Your, your body wants to procreate. That's why we're here on Earth. But unfortunately everything you're doing with a diet, your lifestyle, your stress, is meaning that it's not. So we have to strip it back and, and be like, you know, especially women today, with the, with um, a term I don't know if you're familiar, familiar with it called rushing women syndrome. You know, where they're literally mm. trying to be everything to everyone. You know, the best mother, the best... the, the, the be every woman.
1: Yeah, be ever, yeah. be
0: everything. And their system's not meant for that you know they're meant to we used to go out and hunt because we're disposable um and they're meant to be, <laughs> that's right we are disposable we go out to hunt yeah. we go to war you know um and they're there to they're meant to have enough nutrition and resources to be able to create life and most of them are running around their endocrine systems all over the place the hormones all over the place they've been taking birth control for 10 years and um, they're very very toxic they're super stressed they're not, not getting enough sleep and it's like whoa! Well, of course your body doesn't want to get pregnant i mean there's some people got super strong constitutions and they can get away with it but it doesn't mean they have the healthiest baby going you know that's that can right lead to ill babies uh, and and the mother becoming ill after birth because that firstborn takes a lot of their life force energy um Paul, exactly probably, right right yeah paul's probably talked to you about this when you study the the native tribes a lot of them wouldn't even let uh, a woman uh, wouldn't let the man near a woman for three years after their pregnancy because they said it took three years to recover from that pregnancy. Um, yeah. And so this is uh, stuff that you know I, I would love to actually go have a look at your program because you know I've got my one that I do with people, but I reckon there'd be some absolute gems for for yeah. yourself. <laughs> Maybe you'd have a have to can book it, you in and pick your can, brain. Can I
1: uh, can I piggy can I piggyback on what you said about that yeah. because this IVF in vitro fertilization in the US costs twelve to fifteen thousand dollars on average. And they they pump you full of synthetic hormones. They harvest eggs. They get the guy to jack off into a cup, put the egg and sperm together, and then implant the embryo. That whole procedure is quite expensive. So for a fraction of that cost, not only might you avoid that big bill, but IVF is an independent risk factor for a wide variety of pregnancy complications. What I do is not because I really am am hell-bent on getting a person to live the HLC lifestyle through the check institute. what I'm hell bent on is the radical taking radical responsibility for what happens to your body now before you get pregnant so that you can have as many options as to where you give birth, how you give birth. If are if you're going to be induced, are you going to need a C-section? Is your placenta going to be healthy? Is that baby going to grow? Well, when you are adequately nourished you're moving well you're hydrating well you're sleeping well your mindset's in order all of those foundational principles the pregnancy and the birth itself are far easier in the sense that you don't develop pregnancy complications so ivf is an independent risk factor for many complications because no surprise we have forced the body to get pregnant despite the signal of fertility challenges being an indication that there is something going on upstream, it might be physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual that is, that is telling you, Hey, it's not time to have a baby. We got to get some of this stuff in order. Now that's not to shame or blame anybody who does IVF, but Uh even if you do get all of these, these lifestyle factors in order to the best of your resources, the likelihood of IVF working is higher. And if you do get pregnant with IVF, the risk of those complications drops dramatically. Because if you don't, if your baby's going to grow to the best of its ability, regardless of you could be eating McDonald's all day long, the baby will probably do okay. But the baby's going to take all of those valuable minerals, vitamins, and nutrients from your body, your nervous system, your endocrine system. It's going to steal it from your bones, your healthy muscle to sustain itself. And your body, your life force energy, I mean, there's many ways to look at this, is actually Mm -hmm. going to suffer and now you're a parent and you're not going to be sleeping much and you're not going to have time to maybe not have enough time so, to cook healthy meals. You got to get this dialed in way beforehand so that you have the most autonomy possible. You have the least likelihood of complications and you would actually survive this process and you're actually stronger and more, um, let's just say more whole after the birth, as opposed to when you were trying to get pregnant.
0: Yeah. More vital.
1: As you say, like by, by being more healthy,
0: vital. yeah. By being healthier, everything improves all the risk factors improve you know and so um and as you probably know like the 1st firstborn uh, baby from any mo- mother gets the gets majority of her toxins have been building up and so the right. healthier we can get mother beforehand and and father before even you get pregnant you're going to pass on preg- uh, healthier genes yeah. and so this is something that people need to understand as well and so yeah as you said you're literally nature saying Look, you're not healthy enough to to procreate, and you're saying, "No, fuck it, I'm gonna just try and like smash mm-hmm. this peg smash. through this hole."
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Well, nature's saying no, and so and we t- we think we're above nature, but it's just because, as you said, and this is no slight to people that do it because most don't know there's another way because they're not taught. The medical industry just says, "Oh, you know." I mean, I say to people, you know, twenty, thirty years ago, forty years ago there wasn't facility centers, you know, and then there's one on every corner in the US and, and, and in the UK. I mean, men just had to look at woman and she'd fall pregnant, you know? Yeah. Nowadays yeah. it's not, and obviously there's a lot to do with that. Like what's going on in our food, what's in the water supply, stress, modern lifestyle, so many things that are going on. Um, and so this is where, you know, as you said, you know, there about the mother having, um easier pregnancy less complications if they're healthier so this is one of the things i wanted to ask because you know i put a post up i think it was about about a year ago and it was like a giraffe giraffe um she was in the she was in the field at standing up and two minutes later she gave she gave birth you know and I was like, "Whoa!" I put in the thing. How did she manage that without all the midwives and about all the all the medication? And and people were like laughing. And I said, "And that's a giraffe, you know, giving giving birth." So, you know, do you do you think? I mean, I've seen it. It's sort where of native tribes women go in with their mother. They stand up. They they give birth very easily. It's all part of the process. Like, how much has the society's message that you know childbirth's going to be stressful it's going to be super painful You've great got question to be worried. how yeah. much does that actually you know impact the mother and make it a stressful situation rather than if she thought well you know it's something i've got to go through but it's not going to it's not it's it, i'm sure it's not going to be a walk in the park but it's not going to be life-threatening you know it's not going to like ruin me you know it's i think yeah how much do you reckon that impact so, yeah, um we were just getting on to the question, I think. So it's been cutting out we've got some internet issues here, guys, but I'll piece it all together. Um so I was just asking Nathan what he thinks about, you know, the fact that society puts out the or paints the picture that birth giving birth's gonna be like this excruciatingly painful thing that women need to, to really, you know, prepare for. How yeah. much drinking that impacts a woman and causes them stress that, you know, otherwise wouldn't be there?
1: Yeah, I think that you're asking a great question. And to borrow a little bit from one of my mentors and this prolific author that you should know about, his name is Michel Odont. he's a general surgeon from Paris. He's like 90-some years old now. But his one of his big advocacy points is, we have spent the last 100 years studying the pregnancies that go wrong. In the meantime, there is a large number of pregnancies that go beautifully well in fact women used words like pleasurable ecstatic to describe their experience why are we not studying those those really really great experiences which by the way are are out they outnumber the bad ones by a lot most bad outcomes are statistically low you know low likelihood but why not study those really good ones so two very short stories my wife and i a little over a year ago we gave birth in our bedroom just above just across the way right here and my wife gained maybe 20, 20 pounds in her pregnancy. It was her second in, in a matter of like two years. And um, at like roughly her, actually it was on her, her due date, her guest date as I call it, because you never know when a baby's going to come. Her waters opened around 5 p.m. Um, we called a breath, our breathwork friend, Sarah Tramoli, who's fantastic for anybody out there who's looking to really get as close to the childbirth intensity as possible. Effigy breathwork gets you pretty darn close. We called her over, we started breathing at 6 p.m. By 6.46, the baby was out asleep on my wife's chest. Almost no pain, and in her words, it was very healing from her previous birth, which was in the hospital. There was no stitching, there was no issue whatsoever. In fact, she didn't even need a medical staff there. The baby would have just been fine on her chest. So that's one, that's two hour labor. I then was just up in Indiana for a home birth, which is just north of Kentucky, up by by Chicago. And I moved up there because they had hired me for their whole prenatal care. And this couple was eating organ meats, eating bivalve shellfish, eating um, bone broth. They were getting all organic produce. They don't have a lot of money, but they prioritized all of their uh, finances towards the healthiest lifestyle possible. And they were very happy and content. So they paid me very minimal because of their finances, but I thought it was it, it was like the ideal client. He was a follows Paul check and all of his work. And, and she's definitely on board with all of that. They had had a previous birth, which was a surprise breech baby at home. Perfect client. I went up on a Thursday. She had a baby on Saturday night, and I didn't even make it to the birth. It was so quick and so um, painless. Like it was just, I, I'm in labor, and then 20 minutes later, baby's out. They didn't even get into the tub. They just were sitting on their living room floor. So I went there, and I made a big pot of bone broth. I helped clean up some blood on the carpet. I checked the baby out, checked mom out, but really it was just like, this is what birth could and perhaps should look like for most women. Instead, because we haven't dialed in our lifestyle and our nutrition and our movement patterns and our sleep and all of that beforehand, you end up with unnecessary complications, which by the way, the U.S. is not doing so well. We have way more complications and interventions and and inductions than most other developed countries. So then the big question is, to your point, does birth have to be hard or have we portrayed it that way because we're only focusing on the bad? I'd say the latter. I'd say that there's far there, there are so many women who are having home births in uncomplicated ways and in, in, in their own environment, on their turf, being loved and cared for compassionately by somebody like me or a, a really wonderful midwife, and they don't need the hospital. But that is generally not portrayed in a positive light in the media because we just love the idea that doctors are heroes and what happens in the hospital is we've intervened. We've created now a cascade of other issues that lead to complications. And then we, with our surgical skills are able to save the day. And then everybody says, hooray OBGYNs. Thank God. Well, you wouldn't have even have been in that position. Had we dialed in your lifestyle and your nutrition to the best of your resources ability way before you even got pregnant. And that's, that's my whole practice.
0: Yeah, I mean, you've done all the hard work prior to the, the pregnancy.
1: So the body is. exactly ready. right.
0: So it's yeah. like an, the athlete getting ready for the race. And then when the race comes, it takes care of itself because all the preparation has been done. Rather than being like, oh shit, we haven't done any of this work um i'm just gonna you know go for it and no wonder if you put a muscle at the start line when you have your body's not prepared for it you know i think that's quite a good analogy really i've just come up with that that's one. a perfect <laughs> i'm gonna steal that one actually i'm gonna yeah, steal yeah, that if that's okay <laughs> yeah, yeah steal it steal away and it's just because you know it's the same with anything you know you if you, you get you put the preparation you give your body prepare it you know you said before you you can even visualize the process oh it's going to be you know nice and this is what a lot of they did in in in, in, in the the tribes that i've studied indigenous tribes and cultures the, the mother would explain through sort of the process they're going maybe with their mum and their and their nan you know and and it would be like a maybe it said like a, a an hour to 90 minute process at most and yeah they'd have certain smells so i always say like where do you want to give birth in, in a in a hospital or in your bedroom where you know you're comfortable you can put your own smells in there you may Beautiful. have like some yeah you know and it's like the sounds and and it's, and it's so you'll be so much more relaxed rather than being in A place where you don't really want to be that the energy is terrible you know i mean it's it's just yeah most hospitals you know they're not they're not places of the the places you want to leave
1: as (laughs) soon as possible as fast as possible yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) so i mean what you said there it's so it's so true i mean and that that just goes to show i mean you said that you, you 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 didn't you weren't even there in time that's that's like you know you're like well I don't have to be because everything was done prior, and so my job was was simple and, and minimal. Easy. Yeah, minimal. Um, and so that I mean, this is this is the thing, you know, especially for women out there that um, are going through this, or, or maybe they're having. Then we have a second child. Then we're down this route or their first child. You know, a lot of them are are still worried. Or what happens if you know something goes wrong, um, or baby's born breech. For example, I mean, you probably think right. about it a million times, right? Uh, and but just for my audience, audience out there, I mean, are, are there? I mean, for example, is a baby being, being born breech? Just can it just be completely random, or is that generally the result of of stress? And if it does happen, it, can you still give? I've, I've spoken to women that say, yeah, you can still give birth like that naturally. But I yeah. was gonna hear what hear your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, so uh, a breech position. The butt or the feet are down, whereas the head should be down. The head, being the big bony thing that it is, makes way for the body usually. Yeah. The fear with a breech is that you've got this kind of soft jelly-like body. Yes, there's bones, but it's not as it's not as uh, pliable as this big, you know, bony thing that comes through first. So the fear is that the head's going to get stuck in the pelvis after the body has come out. Right. Now, the likelihood of that happening is way less you know, then it not happening. Um, We don't really know now what the likelihood is, especially when you add on gestational diabetes and maybe poorly nourished tissues. Remember, the pelvis has to expand and that requires adequate hydration with the right type of water, the right nutrients and electrolyte content. Your pelvis, with the work of somebody like Mike Salemi, we're putting a course together, by the way, on how to optimize the the physical, um, through physical movement and other lifestyle measures in pregnancy, but if your pelvis is flexible, the the baby's head is not gonna have a problem getting out of there. But if you look at the typical US or even maybe Australian uh population, you're Australian, uh, population, you're Australian right? I'm English. Oh you're yeah. English. I'm
0: so sorry. I'm
1: That's okay. So the smart. Americans
0: make that mistake a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I I thought that we had a, a scheduling issue because of Australia, but it was a different podcast that I just was yeah. on, but I apologize. Okay. Um So, but I mean, anywhere in the Western world, people are not as healthy as they used to be. So if you're well-nourished and you have adequate, you know, great movement patterns, your adrenals are working well, you're going to have a normal physiologic birth, even if it's breech. So how did we get here with breech where almost every single woman who has an OBGYN caring for them, who ends up with a baby that is butt down instead of head down is going to be recommended C-section without a doubt all over the world. Most women who have breech babies are still being recommended C-section. Now, there are some doctors and midwives who are offering the breech, uh, a vaginal breech birth, but they're they're aging. They're starting to retire. And it's because we haven't taught residents, which are OBGYNs in in specialty training, they haven't been teaching us the maneuvers to relieve little hiccups along the way. Just like with a head down baby, parts of the baby's body can get stuck. So you could get like an arm kind of tucked around the head or maybe the neck is hyperextended and gets caught on the pubic bone. It's, it's just like with a head down baby, there's maneuvers to help relieve that. The problem is in two, roughly 2000, 2001, there was a big study that came out, multi-country, multi-center, many thousands of women. And they, they concluded I'm, I'm using air quotes, definitively, that breach was not safe. So ever since that, we haven't taught anybody that, these maneuvers. So then a woman who has a breach baby, has they can have a vaginal breach birth, which previously was not a big deal. But now the birth attendants, including midwives and OBGYNs, have no clue what to do with those dystocias. So a part of my platform is helping to reskill birth attendants on the basic maneuvers to relieve these things. Because if we can save them that first C-section and they have five kids later, they may end up with six C-sections And the risk of of mom or baby having issues in that surgery. As you add on multiple surgeries, it goes up. The placenta can grow into the previous uterine scar requiring a hysterectomy at time of birth. Um, wow. the risk of blood loss, infection, all of those things go up in future pregnancies. Not to mention you with any C-section, it's very scary. It's an anxiety producing event. You're strapped down crucifixion style and there's all this commotion and you can't see anything because there's a, a, bl- a blue tarp in front of your face. It's not a very nice thing to have to go through. So it delays maternal neonatal bonding. A lot of women dissociate during that process. It's very traumatizing. Wow. We have to work through that later. So when you, when you put all of that data together, We have to ask ourselves, what if we were teaching people to attend to breach birth and the dystocias? Um, And the criticism is that the term breach trial that I mentioned definitively said it was unsafe, but they actually went back and looked at that data again. And there was all these issues. They included one baby that died. So they said that babies are more likely to die um, uh, if they're born by vaginal breach than than by C-section. So they were like, we don't want babies to die. Let's just do C-sections. The problem was that when they randomized all these women, a stillborn was di- was, was not diagnosed before they randomized. Um, they had some babies with structural, like congenital anomalies. They had twins that were included. They even had babies that were head down included. But this was supposed to be a breach study. So mm. when you actually reanalyze the data, it was roughly a wash in these outcomes. It may have still favored C-section a little bit, but they weren't even including a lot of the other metrics that I described, the bonding, the trauma, etc. So we have to be very, very careful with how we use data to direct our practice because with one study that was poorly done, and by the way, they followed up with the babies that were born by this study and they found zero difference in long-term developmental outcomes five years after the term breach trial. So if we're going to if we're going to look at just one study and change our entire practice now we're putting women at risk of harm if their baby is butt down because we don't have the ability or the training to offer them a vaginal breach. Mm-hmm. and it was all because of this one stupid study and um and it, I think I've said enough there I'm curious what you think I, about that. I I think it just reminds me of the Ansel Casey study just like uh, That's where a great, talking, great yeah, um, yeah.
0: Where he like went out and, and tried to prove that you know saturated fat was bad, and uh, even though I think he had like, tw- twenty eight countries that uh, twenty eight countries that proved it wasn't, he cherry picked the six that proved it was, yep. and then for like t- the next 30, 40 years, saturated fat was vilified, and and um, you know it's led to a whole cascade of health events, and now we're we've still got,
1: struggling with that.
0: People are uh, like, drinking having canola and rapeseed oil when these like. Rancid vegetable and seed oils, and just on the base of one study, that you know, saturated people avoiding saturated fat, which is so vital for everything when it comes to health, especially your sex hormones and your endocrine. System. Oh, yeah, and so, yeah, as you're saying, there, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me whenever like, those sort of things come up. What you're talking now is just thinking, hmm, that sounds like it's been done on purpose. Like is in why? What? Who benefits from those? That result is it? Do they get to to hire out more surgical rooms? Does that mean they, you know, more nurses get paid more and doctors get paid more and surgeons get paid? It's like funny because every year the amount of surgeries increases by the amount of surgeons that are that are yeah. um, gone through qualifications. And so right. if everything looks like a and everything looks like a now if you've only got a hammer. Um, just whacking away
1: at the screws, yeah. at the bolts, at everything else.
0: <laughs> well, it's just like and the thing is like, and so the thing is like, if some people if they have to have a C section, you know, it's the thing. It's like it's, for me, it'd be like antibiotics. It would be like last result, you know, um, you know, life or death or last result, you know, um, life or death, but like last result because there's so many benefits to the vaginal birth, not to mention the all the the goodness that comes from the, uh, from the vaginal canal uh, the, probiotic, the that's right the, the probiotics yeah, uh, that came to the vaginal canal so if if women do have a c-section I always recommend getting things like um, uh, this is what I learned from um, Dr. Campbell McBride I think it was or maybe it's Donna Gates but basically getting like milk kefir or maybe water, or coconut water kefir and, like, literally putting it over the over the baby. Um, so they used to even do that, um, put, like, milk kefir vaginally before before birth to, to even
1: help help with that. Um, is there well, anything? Let me, let me add to that. Better it, yeah. than better than kefir, you could yep. put a sponge into the vagina. Okay. Take the sponge out and smear it all over the baby, in the, uh, in okay. the eyes, the nose, the mouth, the neck, everywhere, and you're actually – helping to colonize the baby in that way you're you're this is this is really important i remember Mm -hmm. being i remember having to you know sent to the principal's office because i was recommending this to the patients when i was in residency and i was like there is also data that supports this and like it's just logical what they used to do actually is even even for vaginal births that an old practice was to use iodine to clean out the vagina before babies came through what the like hell? the insanity of this stuff. It's just like, it's just like, what do, why, what are
0: you doing? Like you think that we're above nature? Here, here's the, That's the, right. um, the thing that I was just going to ask you there. Where was it? Where's it gone? Um, where's it gone? What you just said there. Oh yeah. So when the baby comes out, it's covered, uh, because vaginally it's covered literally like, it's almost like a white sort of coating and they tend yep. to get rid of that. Whereas in my research, that should be left and it will seep into the baby's skin. And that, once again, is full of all the goodness, um,
1: yeah, microbiota that it needs. Is that something you leave? Vernix. Yeah, yeah. We, used to, uh, we used to joke when we were doing births and when if you got a bunch of vernix on you, mm-hmm. you'd like just smear it in. Now, we'd have gloves and everything on, but you knew that it was really good for the baby's skin. And yes, there's plenty of, of. I mean, it just came through a vagina. vagina is not a clean place it's dirty for all of the right reasons you need Mm -hmm. you know your microbiome to clean everything from your eyes your mouth your nose to your vagina to your anus like those those bacteria are friends they're they're truly it's not just helpful they are necessary for us to survive Yeah. Yeah, yeah so so this vernix that that creamy white stuff it is like the best skin lotion you could possibly imagine For the baby, that's also a part of colonizing them with the microbiota of of the of the mom, which probably has also has something to do with connecting and bonding with the mother. You know, you guys are are in sync. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's almost like mother nature knows what it's doing. You know, it's no, I
1: don't know about that, man. Yeah, I
0: know. What we need to do, what we need to do instead, is definitely recommend. That mothers that that babies straight away after birth have precautionary antibiotics because you know given for bad it's just I, I don't understand this. I've had one of my well, he's my best friend. He, he had he he's been like uh, one of my big, since like I've been doing this work. He's one of my biggest champions when he went through this. You know, he was like it was his first baby. We did everything, beautiful baby, like um, no medication, like natural birth, but went in the hospital and. Um, they were literally trying to shove antibiotics uh, into the baby. We need to have precautionary antibiotics. And he was standing firm. And they were, like, trying to make him feel bad. And he's like, I've done all the research. They're like, well, we're doctors. He's like, I don't care what you are. You're just doing what you've been told to do. That's right. Not your... And um, so, like, I mean, for people out there, like, I mean, they're trying to say, oh, the babies need to get precautionary antibiotics. I mean, how much can that, you know, f- negatively affect a baby? you know, what, I mean, what, what is
1: their reasoning for it? And yeah, I mean, what do you say to that? Well, it depends on what the, it depends on what the reason is for Mm -hmm. them recommending it. You know, one really, really common, uh, reason that the, that women, at least in the United States, I know it's different for every country and in the UK, I think it actually is quite different, but there's something called group B strep, which is a type of bacteria that lives in the vagina because it lives in the anus and bugs that live in the anus tend to just, um, they tend to just uh, go to the vagina. So when you have a baby, if you have this particular type of bacteria in the vagina, the baby can become colonized with it. And there is a small fraction of those babies. I'm gonna bring up the data for you right now. There's a small fraction of those babies who can get sick. So 10 to 30% of women are colonized with group B streptococcus. And if you are colonized, we routinely screen in the United States. I don't think it's routine still in the UK, but we routinely screen around 36 weeks for this type of bacteria. There's a 50% chance of that woman who has this bacteria in her vagina or anus of passing it to the newborn during a vaginal birth. And if the baby is colonized, one to two percent are gonna develop an early onset GBS disease, which can be catastrophic. Um it's about two to three percent, meaning two to three out of a hundred term babies, meaning thirty seven weeks or more, can die from this. And if they're less than thirty-three weeks, up to thirty percent. But the but the problem with presenting this data is we've got a risk of 10 to 30% of women are colonized. Yeah. 50% of those women are going to pass it on to the baby. Um, and then a percentage of those babies will actually develop any sort of disease. That's really, really minute. That's, that's a very small statistical likelihood. So when we present this, we say, you don't want your baby to die. Let's just do the antibiotics. Well, hold on. Are there any downsides to giving antibiotics systemically? It's an IV push of antibiotics throughout your labor. Is there any uh, downside to giving these IV antibiotics to you, mom, or to the baby? absolutely we know that there are but we overly emphasize that that you know roughly one in a couple hundred babies Mm. who are going to get really really sick and die from this bacteria so when it comes to informed consent one thing that we're lacking here is we're not we're not emphasizing the downsides of doing the antibiotics so you can't make an informed decision yeah so yeah no, it's just like it's just just
0: carpet bump. But this, like, we're doing it to everyone, even though a ridiculously small number of babies get this, and then not thinking about all the negative health benefits, uh, health uh, reper- repercussions of giving that baby antibiotics at that age, right. wiping out their gut flora. I mean, it's like all the goodness that they've got inside them this gets completely removed and then you're trying to you're playing catch up and i've read some different studies that show how many illnesses including like even like one round of antibiotics let alone how many people have in their lifetime how how much it increases different rates of, of disease and mortality later on and especially today where we're getting all these we're getting antibiotic resistance i mean even the who who the who who (laughs) who are the most um, one of the most corrupt organizations in the world when they come out and they have to admit something it's like well they even said antibiotic i put this like a couple of years ago when the whole um yeah pandemic nonsense happened Um, (laughs) i I was like um i said like you don't worry about this worry about antibiotic resistance because they've even labeled it as by 50, i want to say maybe 2030 it was either either way it's going to kill more, more as many people as cancer every year and wow. i was like and i was like this is the who's saying that and that's because we yeah. have got antibiotics in in the the feed for the for the, the cattle and the food and and now you're giving it to all these children at, or babies i mean they're already starting on the back foot so um and and then as well you know i i, I think you're on the same page as this and they want to just slam a vitamin K shot in them and everything yeah. else that goes with it. I mean, so... We can
1: talk about that if you want. Vitamin K yeah. is a great one.
0: That is yeah, a... I mean, complete...
1: you've, got, you've got like six minutes, so I might have to be um, on another podcast. <laughs> well, this will be real fast. So we give this shot of vitamin K into the foot of the baby moments after birth in order to reduce the likelihood of bleeding, bleeding inside the brain or in the layers of the skull. Mm-hmm. So the risk without the vitamin K shot is 80, let's say, let's look at high income countries, nine in 100,000, Ryan. If you give the shot, it goes lower than that. But what activity do we ever do in our life that has a risk of nine in 100,000? And we take everything, every precaution possible, even if there are detrimental consequences to reduce that risk. Like you have a greater likelihood of getting in a car accident anytime you're in your car than that. So, this baby comes out, hasn't ever you know, seen his or her mother. We're inflicting pain moments after the baby is born, putting goop in the eyes, cleaning off all of the microbiota, and then wrapping the baby up. And we say, we did a good job. We, did, we didn't do the vitamin K shot in our pregnancy. If you want an alternative, there are vitamin K oral drops, but still the risk yeah. is so low. We completely forwent everything um, in our second. And I think most people if they knew that, the statistics, they probably wouldn't want to inflict pain on their baby moments no, after the baby's born.
0: Nine percent chance. Zero. It's, yeah. Effectively like, zero. And so, and this is vitamin K shot as well. It's like, I remember Paul saying like one of the first things on it, it says the side effects, liver failure, kidney failure. So, oh, you want me to push this into my little baby? The um, same as anything else that's without anything else it's like vitamin k i remember such a great post it was like you say to what what's in what's in the vitamin k shot so i was like i don't know vitamins it's like no <laughs> not vitamins have a look and uh and it's like it's the same as all these things my man i know you've got a, a go in a minute but i, I want to i'll definitely want to get you back on because there's lots lots more t- to talk about but i'll yeah, a yeah, especially when you're talking about – you said about the program you're doing with Mike. It was one of my things I was going to say definitely would love to maybe do a, a collaboration or maybe just like um, have an affiliate with you guys and putting it out there. But it's uh, is there anything that you'd like to um, – just just for our first, our first uh, chat. I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. If a mum hasn't um, – if a mum wants to do a natural birth – Mother, the mother, father, will a natural birth, or if a mum's already had given birth once and second second time round she wants to do a natural birth, okay. like are there? I mean, what would you say to them? Are there is it, is it something they should be really worried about, or is it something that you know doing when done properly, as you said before, it can be
1: a really beautiful experience. So you're looking for like just the bare minimum of what might of what might help a person out on this journey? Is that what you mean?
0: Yeah, as in, like, being being someone who's overseen... How many how many babies have you... Thousands. Yeah, yeah, I mean, thousands. over a thousand.
1: I don't, I don't even know, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got to be probably tens of thousands. Uh, and so, like, it, some people that are, have done th- things your way, you know, how many... as you said, like, how it's very minute things going, the chance of, of, of going south, especially when they put in practice all of the things that you're doing. I mean, the question would be, have they got to be worried? Or is it something that once again, once they get into um, living that holistic lifestyle, doing the holism, as you say, is it something that, you know, it's just, just flow as nature intended?
1: I think that the most important, if I had a billboard I could publish on, I would say assume responsibility for every decision that you make because when you become a parent everything falls on you you are responsible for everything that happens to this little kid now granted yes mother culture and the media and everything has a role but you are their parent you have to put on your big boy pants or big girl pants and you have to start acting like an adult so you have to take your power back you have to accept responsibility for all of the outcomes but the good news is when you assume responsibility for how you spend your time, your energy, your focus, your attention, your resources, you have control over the things that are controllable in pregnancy to the best of your ability. You have the control such that you can have a baby whenever, wherever, however you want without you know the minimizing the risks of complications, minimizing the risk that you need interventions or IVF or whatever else. We as a society need to start owning how we show up in the world. We need to take our power back and stop looking to the CDC, the who, mommy and daddy, our God figures, whatever, for the answers. You have it. You have to assume that when you're a parent. So it's great to start now.
0: Awesome. And that's, I think,
1: that goes with all aspects of life, really.
0: and just Absolutely i here uh nathan my man it's been an absolute pleasure uh, already looking forward to our second installment but thanks very much for coming on and uh, i know this is going to be uh, a hit with our audience but thanks thanks for coming on my pleasure ryan take care so guys and girls we come to the end of another quality episode and i just love getting this information out to you now if you have been struggling with a health issue or you're just looking to get to the next stage of life and really reach your full potential you can find all the information about how you can connect with me or the courses we offer at w.reviveyourself.co there you'll find the total health of course which is a real education health and healing it's not only going to teach you how to get better but also how to stay better another course like it on the market it's eight modules that cover everything you need in holistic health from not just nutrition but your mental and emotional health your environmental health biological spiritual health everything you need to not only create a healthy body but to maintain that healthy body and it's like another program on the market you also got the chronic fatigue solution there which was my book teaching you all about what the truth is behind three big secrets of health so you can find that there and i also link to many of the supplements that i recommend in the shop different companies all highly recommended by myself companies i use and keep your eyes out for kaizen which is coming very soon that's going to be the best whey protein on the market that can be used for a whole plethora of reasons whether it's athletic recovery whether it's as a baby formula whether it's to increase your energy or to detoxify the body this is like nothing else on the planet and i can't wait to get that out to you that will be coming soon but otherwise that's it for today people um if i didn't mention it earlier you can always email me at ryan at reviveyourself.co if you want to have a chat about any coaching opportunities or any of the programs that we've got and yep yeah, i'll speak to you soon lots of love take care